Well, we've checked the box on all of the holidays of the year, and we've made it to the big one. And as the kids would say, this one has all the feels, right? When you think about Christmas, as you see in the video that we just showed, Christmas is that grand finale holiday of the year that you might say is an assault on your senses. Think about it for a second. When it comes to your sense of sight, Christmas is everywhere with trees and lights and decorations. Even when it comes to your sense of smell, I don't know if you noticed as you've come into church the last couple of weeks, we, we've got uh, those scent sickles stacked everywhere around here so it smells like Christmas as you come in. Then there's the feeling of Christmas. It just it just feels like Christmas. People, have you noticed people are more friendly and happier and more jolly? I saw this. I have a testimony to share. Anybody want to hear a testimony of the feels of Christmas? I was in Walmart Friday morning and people were smiling. People were smiling at me. A worker even said, hey, good morning. How you doing? And I thought, wow. And all these people were smiling. I, I even thought, I've got to have something on my face. People, and I even thought about going to the bathroom to make sure everything was okay. But, but uh, you know, so we got the sights, smells, the feels, and then the tastes of Christmas. You know, I have a, one problem I have with Christmas is why is it that all these things that taste so good are reserved for this time of year? We should have peanut brittle 365. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm all about some, some peanut brittle. And, and you know, we, we've had this recurring thing going on here at the church the last couple years about one of the most, uh, one of the hardest to get taste of Christmas, the Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. Anybody found any of those? Well, well, well I have the spirit of giving today, and I've been hoarding those. If you, if you want to know who's got them, I got them. And, and so I got something to give away this morning, but I want to give it to somebody specifically. I got a whole box, five in a box, probably cost eight bucks, I mean, with inflation, right? But, um, but I've got these Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes, and I want to give it to somebody who's forgotten at this time of year, okay? So who is forgotten at Christmas? The person who has their birthday on Christmas. Is there anybody whose birthday is on the 25th? Whose birthday's on the 25th? All right, look at this guy. We got somebody. Merry Christmas, sir, and a happy birthday to you. Look at that. That's awesome. That worked out pretty good. So you got the sights, the smells, the feels, the taste, and then you got the sounds of Christmas. And so I want to go nostalgic with you this morning. If you're going to talk about the sounds of Christmas, you can't do it without going right here. This is the sounds of Christmas, okay? Big E. Nothing like Big E at Christmas. Now, we're going to go way back to, look at what we got this morning. We've got a, a good old record player here. Um, and, and I would have to explain it to the, to the kids today what this is. But, but you know, the, the record player is making a comeback. Actually, these records belong to my son, and this player belongs to Pastor Josh. I don't have either. You know why? Because I already did this. <laughs> and I'd much rather have all those songs on my phone. But it is pretty cool. So I just want to take you back to the sounds of Christmas. So if you would have walked in the bedroom of Pastor Les in uh, the late 70s, you probably would have heard and seen me 
jumping on the bed, singing this song right here. I've not done this in a while. Let me see if I can get it right. Almost. That was the end of one song. Here comes the one. This is the song, y'all. Right? You got to have this song at Christmas, right? I'm going to request this song for the choir next year. How about that? All right? And some of y'all are like, can you play Elvis in church? Well, you can today. Okay. So, good times, right? It's been a while since I've done this. Okay. So, the sounds of Christmas. Well, for those of us who grew up with these type of sounds, we, you know, we had these. We had all these records. There's another Elvis there's some Bing. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about right there. If you've not seen a White Christmas or Holiday Inn, put those on your list. But, uh, but there's something else that for those of us, this is going to be very special for those of us who grew up in the 70s and the 80s, or if you had kids during that time, there was something that, that I'm going to pull out and show you. Now, don't, don't rush the stage, those of you of my generation, because you're going to be like, I really want that. Um, but anybody remember these, read-along books and records? Oh, yeah, y'all remember these? Some of you are like, I have no idea. All right, y'all about to get you, get you an education, kids. Here we go. All right. What we had back in the day, and this was mine, you had a, a record. Oh, I, I, this girl on the front row just went, <gasps> that's a bigger response than the Christmas tree, Christmas tree cakes. You put that record on there, and... Uh, and here is the entire Charlie Brown Christmas special that you'd watch on TV right here. Now, there's a, there's a specific way, though, that you have to do this. Because uh, it's called a read-along book and record. I mean, remember this. All right, here we go. We'll, we'll do a couple of pages. Y'all just relax. I wish we had the snow machine right now. I'll be, I'll be the teacher in kindergarten. Everybody with me? There it is. Okay. Now we'll take a vote. How many of you would rather me not preach and let's just do this the whole time? Tell you what, some of y'all just made it on the naughty list. So the key to this book, and those of you who grew up with these remember, was the chimes. I was talking to somebody about it between the service. Pretty cool how, you know, these books were used for us as kids to teach us how to read. 
And I honestly can remember this, this scene where Linus reads and quotes from, from, from Luke chapter 2. I memorized that from hearing it from the Charlie Brown Christmas special and having, having this little book. But the key to this book working was based on what you heard. It was based on that cue when you hear the chimes ring, turn the page. It was based on, on what you heard. And, and in the story of Christmas, in the story of the birth of Jesus, there are so many things that we hear that serve as cues for what happened in the lives of the people that we find in these stories. And this morning we're going to look at ordinary people who have an extraordinary supernatural encounter with God that would change the trajectory of their lives. And so we're beginning this series, our Christmas series today, Do You Hear What I Hear? We'll come back two weeks from today and talk about Do You See What I See? And then we'll close out on Christmas Eve with Do You Know What I Know? But today we're going to talk about Do You Hear What I Hear? And we're listening for three sounds today. The sound of security, the sound of celebration, and the sound of surrender. So let's begin by talking about the sound of security. Found within the story of the birth of Jesus are three individuals and one group of people who experienced a supernatural encounter that hinged on what they heard and how they responded to it. Now, I'm going to share these stories with you, and here's what I want you to do. As you hear these stories, I want you to listen for similarities between the stories. There's several, and I want you to see if you catch them as we meet these characters. So first of all, we're going to meet Zechariah. Zechariah shows up in Luke chapter 1. He's a priest. Him and his wife Elizabeth are older. They've tried to have children. They can't. And it's his time to be in the, the, uh, the, the house of worship. He's in the temple. He's doing his priestly duties. And Luke 1.11 says this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. No kidding, right? You would be too. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, we know this is not the disciple John, but this is John the Baptist who would be the forerunner of Jesus. Fast forward a few verses later, we meet Mary. What we know about Mary is that she is uh, betrothed. She's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Uh, the scripture tells us he's a descendant of David. So we know that he falls in that lineage of uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, all the way down the line. And this is what happens in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Then we get to Matthew chapter 1, and we meet Joseph. At this point, Joseph has received the information 
that the woman he's married to that he's not been with is pregnant and he knows he's not the baby daddy. And he considers divorcing her quietly. The scripture describes him as a man who's faithful to the law. And he's considering divorce. And the scripture says, after he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him where? In a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Then one more group of people we want to look at. We've seen Zechariah, Mary, and Joseph. Now let's go to the shepherds. Fast forward, Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. They've come to town for the census. Jesus has been born in a stable And verse 8 of Luke chapter 2 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were what? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Do you hear what I hear? I hear the sound of security. Did you hear what I heard? Did you hear what they heard? What was that one? Well, there's two. But what's one element that we saw in all four stories. Anybody know? Do not be afraid. Did you notice that? In each situation, the angel or angel spoke to those individuals and said, do not be afraid. Do you hear what I hear? The sound of what? Security. Did you notice anything else about when the angel said, do not be afraid? The angel also called each person by name. Did you see that? Zechariah, do not be afraid. Mary, do not be afraid. Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. This call of identification lets us know that this was not some random angel who just happened to fly in the right window and show up at the right time. My goodness, they were on assignment from God the Father to show up at the right people in the right house at the right time with a word from the throne. To say, Zachariah, this is wacky. This is crazy. You should be afraid. You've never seen an angel. Do not be afraid. Mary, you've not been with a man, but you're going to be pregnant. Well, that would scare any of you, wouldn't it, ladies? How am I going to explain that? The word is, do not be afraid. Joseph, hey, this is, this is pretty messed up, Joseph. We'll, we'll admit it. You know, your wife is saying she's not been with anybody and, and she's pregnant, but do not be afraid. And even to the shepherds, the message was clear. Do not be afraid. So we have this command of encouragement. Do not be afraid. We have this call of identification. Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, called by name. Do not be afraid. And here's the, the last thing of the sound of security that we notice is a completion of prophecy. Here's what we notice when we hear The angel speak to every one of these individuals in the story. What he is saying to them is a fulfillment of the left side of your Bible. It's a fulfillment of the Old Testament. 
Testament scriptures. Here's Zechariah, and God says to him, uh, your prayer has been heard. And the prayer he's talking about is his prayer to have a child. But even bigger than that is that this child will be named John, and this child's job will be to be the forerunner of the Savior of the world what a job John the Baptist did to tell everybody about Jesus. Then Mary, listen to what the, the, the completion of prophecy is from Mary. The, the angel said to Mary, you have found favor with God. God sees you, Mary. And you're going to be the one that's going to carry the gospel to those who have, uh, have never heard it before. And then for Joseph, he says, you will give him the name Jesus. Jesus was the Greek form of the word Joshua, which means the Lord saves or Yahweh saves. A fulfillment of prophecy that a Savior has come. And then I love what is said to the shepherds. The shepherds get three words to describe what's coming. The angel looks at the shepherds and say, say, said to them that you will find the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. How's that for clarity, 11 o'clock? You're going to find him. He's the Savior of the world who has been prophesied that would come. Not only that, he is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the anointed one. This is the Word made flesh who's showing up to turn everything upside down. And he is the Lord. He is the one who will reign and rule forever and ever. Do you hear what I hear? The sound of security, the sound of peace. That word security means freedom from care and worry and anxiety. One of the definitions I found that I really like, security, well-founded confidence. So the message, to the, the message of the angels to these men and women is the same message to us today. Because sometimes we can be just going about normal life like those shepherds, doing our job and something unexpected happens. Something out of the blue takes our breath away. Bad news, a situation we didn't see coming. Am I talking to anybody? Anybody have a situation like that in 2023? Oh, I know some of you did. Some of you walked through that. But here's what you've learned as you've walked through those things this year. You've learned that the message that the angel said to Zechariah and Mary and Joseph and those shepherds is the same message that applies to us. No matter what you face, do not fear. I am with you. You are not alone. It's the same message in that as he called them by name, he sees you by name. He needs, he, he, he realizes exactly who you are. Isaiah says it like this, do not be afraid, Isaiah 43, for I have ransomed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Boy, that's encouraging news today to know that the Lord knows you by name. Jesus said in Luke 12, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than any sparrow. Wow, what an amazing, what an amazing promise that the word of God that was for them applies to us that we're called to have faith over fear. Do not be afraid. That God has called us individually by name and that the fulfillment of this prophecy that He is Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord is the same for them. It's the same for us. And as the word was given to, 
to Joseph. All these descriptive words that we've seen, Savior, Messiah, and Lord. You know what the angel said to, to Joseph said, He will be Emmanuel. God with us. That's why we can go through difficult times. When we go through difficult seasons, when we face the unexpected in life, we know that we don't go through it alone because He is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? Amen. Do you hear what I hear? He is a God who is with us in the form of of Jesus, the sound of security. Here's the second thing we hear. Do you hear what I hear? The sound of celebration. So we go to the story of the shepherds. And I mentioned a while ago that Christmas is, a, is an assault on the senses. Man, can you imagine the assault on the senses for these shepherds? Just imagine it. It's just an ordinary night. They're out in the fields. They're doing their jobs. They're kind of falling asleep and everything's settling down. And, 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 and it's just going to be a quiet night when all the sudden a light comes from heaven and an angel appears and begins to speak to them and we read it a moment ago they're watching their flocks the angel appears the glory of the Lord shines around them the angel says do not be afraid I bring what kind of news good news that will bring what kind of joy great joy for who all the people today in the town of David has been born to you the Messiah the Lord, you'll find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You talk about, do you hear what I hear? I bet those shepherds were probably like, do you hear what I hear? Do, do you see what I see? And how did they respond to that? Notice what it says in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Everybody say, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Wow, what an encounter that there was no question about it, y'all. They're like, they didn't say that the angels had told us about. They said, the Lord has told us about this. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they did what? They spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Do you hear what I hear? I hear the sound of celebration. I hear the sound. I mean, you, you know, we have some birthday parties, right? When kids are born, we celebrate when a newborn baby comes. We, we celebrate all these birthdays. But man, y'all listen to the celebration here. I mean, they go, they find out what's going on and what they experience. Notice the response. It says they spread the word concerning what had, they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. It's interesting. Do you think there were other babies who were born that night in Bethlehem? I'm sure there were. Babies are born all the time, all day, every day. Right? So what would be so amazing about a baby being born? Well, something was different about this baby because what did they hear? They heard very clearly 
from the angels that this baby was identified as the Savior, as the Messiah, and as the Lord. And here's the real cool thing about this. I love verse uh, 20. If you can go back to that, it says, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Why did they glorify and praise God? Why did they celebrate? Because, look, it was just as they had been told. Exactly what the angels said is what they saw. The angels gave them a GPS, if you will, and said, go to Bethlehem, and here's what you're looking for. You're going to go to a manger, a stall, a stable, and you're going to find a baby. And when you find that baby, hey, I'm going to just tell you how I believe it happened. I believe when they found the place and they walked in there, I believe they sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. They experienced the presence of God. They knew beyond a doubt that something was different. It wasn't like the stinky stable two doors down. There was something going on that was different in this place. And what they heard changed from them hearing it from angels to it getting in their heart. And then them going and telling as many people as they could tell. The sound of celebration. So my question for you this morning is, if you've encountered Jesus, are you living a life of celebration? Is what God has done in your life worth sharing with somebody else 11 o'clock? If God has changed your life, if he's taken you from death to life, if he has turned you around and you're living 180 degrees different than you used to, that is something that somebody else needs to know. Have you been through a cancer diagnosis or a, or a situation in your body where, where the doctor said one thing but Jesus said another thing? That's something that somebody else needs to know. If you've got all kinds of junk in your past, all kinds of failures, all kinds of things that you had washed in the blood and washed away in a baptism pool somewhere, that's something that somebody else needs to know. When you see other people walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you know you've walked through it as well that's when you need to be just like the shepherds and let somebody else know what you have seen and what you have heard and when you do that it will burn inside of you the celebration to live a life of worship and glory and praise unto our good and awesome and great God amen that's why at Rican Church of God we're not a quiet church we're not going to come in here and just not, just not get too riled up. I read this story this morning from Luke chapter 2. That was a pretty loud situation. Are there moments that were quiet and reverent in the presence of God? Absolutely. But what God has done in our lives deserves the worship and praise that we hear about in Scripture. Do you hear what I hear? I hear the sound of celebration. Here's the last one I want to share. Do you hear what I hear? The last one is the sound of surrender. Now this sound may be a little more difficult to pick up on than the others, but it's found in Matthew chapter 2 and it's it focuses on a group of men that are often included in the traditional images of the manger scene, but historically were not present the night that Jesus was born. We're talking about we three kings. Somebody wrote a song one time, we three kings, and labeled them as kings. They weren't kings. 
The scripture says they were magi, which meant that they were astrologers. They were people who studied the stars. They were from the east. And, uh, and so if, if you have a manger scene and you got the, 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 uh, the wise men in it, it's theologically incorrect. So take your wise men and move them on the other side of the room. I'm just kidding. It really doesn't matter. But here's what's amazing about this story, okay? So let's check it out. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, so that lets us know that Jesus has already been born. The wise men didn't show up that night. During the time of King Herod, magi, astrologers from the east, came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, just a side note. As, as astrologers, they're looking at the stars, and they have pinpointed that this star is over the place where this baby was born. But I have a question for you. How did they know about this in the first place? Their expertise allowed them to follow the star I would submit to you that because a group of shepherds shared what they had seen, that the word had gotten out. And it had made it all the way to the far east, that there was a king in place. And so they come, and can you imagine these these men show up in town, and it says they're asking as they're coming into Judea, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews. We've been following that star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Now look what, how Herod responds. Verse 3 says, when King Herod, what? Do you hear what Herod hears? Herod hears this and he was what? Disturbed. That word disturbed right there is the Greek word tarasso. And it means to throw into confusion, to be startled, to be Stirred up. So King Herod, he's king, he's the man. He hears that there's someone who's been born king of the Jews. Now he is not a Jewish person. He's been put by Rome in charge of of Judea at the time. And now there is a threat to his throne. There's a threat to his power. And so notice who he calls. He calls the pastors. And the church leaders of the day, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he says, this Messiah, this king of the Jews, where is he supposed to be born? And they say in Bethlehem of Judea. And then they read to him what the prophet was written, what was written by the prophet. So they read Old Testament to Herod. And this is what they read. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. And out of you will come a ruler will shepherd my people Israel. So then it says Herod called the Magi secretly. Okay, So they've been running around town asking where is this king of the Jews. He says send those boys to my office. And they bring the Magi in and Herod says alright what time did this star appear? So what's he doing? He's trying to figure out the exact time that Jesus was born. So, so when did this happen? And he says boys you, you can work for me now. Y'all go on down to Bethlehem and search it out. Find this child. And as soon as you find him, report back to me because I want to go worship too. You hear that? Yeah, maybe. Mm. So after they heard the king, they went on their way. 
the star where they had seen it rose ahead of them. They keep following the star. It stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star right over where they were going, they were what? They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, so this is how we know it's not the manger. Now Jesus is in a house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which is where we get the idea of three kings, because there's three gifts. We have no idea how many there were. Again, they weren't kings. They're, they're magi or astrologers. And so they worship him. They give him these gifts. And they're going to go back to Herod. But verse 12 says, Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So do you hear what I hear? Do you hear the sound of surrender in here? What are you talking about, Pastor? Where's the surrender? Well, the Magi are saying, Who has been born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. King Herod is disturbed by this news. Why was he so disturbed? Because now a new king is going to be on the throne. And his position and his power and his control is being threatened. And the rest of the story goes that when they went home by another route and Herod realized he had been outwitted, He knew there was only one way to eliminate a potential threat to his throne. And he went Old Testament literally and pulled something out of the playbook of Pharaoh from Exodus and had all the boys in Bethlehem, two years old or younger, killed. Knowing that was going to happen, an angel again appears to Joseph in a dream and says, take Mary and Jesus and go hang out in Egypt for a while. So what does this have to do with us? Well, the cue that we should get from this story is that when Jesus showed up in town, he came not to just show up, but to take over. See, what the Jewish people wanted was for him to take over the throne. Very simply put, this new king wasn't after the throne in Herod's palace, but the throne in Herod's heart. And Jesus comes along and he's not after any of your stuff. He wants all of you, but first he wants your heart. I love a a discipleship book I read years ago talked about that in each of our hearts is a throne. And we make a decision whether we're going to sit on the throne or we're going to allow Christ to sit on the throne. As Savior, as Messiah, as Lord, He has earned the right to sit on the throne of all of our lives. I hear the sound of surrender. And that that threat, boy, it's a threat to us to give it up, isn't it? It's a threat to give up all control because we like to be in control. We, we love to be in control. Trust took me out Thursday night. She surprised me with a, with a Thursday night date night for my, for my birthday. And my birthday was several weeks ago, and she surprised me, and I did something that I don't ever do. She said, I'm driving. You get on the passenger seat. If you ever see me in the passenger seat, you know I'm too sleepy to drive. And I get in the passenger seat, and I'm like, should I say the joke? I'm always like, I always feel like the guy who's got the DUI, and my wife has to drive. (laughs) 
You know what? That drives me, it drove me crazy. I didn't know where we were going. I'm thinking about it the whole time. Why? Because Les likes to be in control. But Jesus didn't come to, uh, to allow us to be in control. He came to take over. And so when it comes to our lives and when it comes to our hearts today, Jesus came as king not to take over a physical throne, one made of wood or metal or gold, but a spiritual throne, one made up of our will, our desires, and our passions. The sound of surrender. That, that's ultimately the sound of Jesus entering into the world. Yes, He comes as the angel said to the shepherd. He is coming as Savior to save us from our sin. Yes, He comes as Messiah, as the Christ, as the fulfillment of the left side of your Bible. But He ultimately comes as Lord. And as you've heard many times before, He's either Lord of all or not at all. You can't give him 50%. you got to give him 100. Do you hear what I hear? I hear the sound of surrender. So as you come and play for me, Evan, and we get ready to wrap this up today, let's, let's come to a landing point today and say, okay, how can we apply this to our lives today? We've already walked through that application, but let's look at it one more time. First of all, the sound of security. Ask yourself this question today. Are you living your life in fear or in faith? The same word of God that applied to those shepherds and to Joseph and to Mary and to Zechariah applies to us. Do not be afraid. I don't know who needs to hear this today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through today. But the Holy Spirit wants you to hear this message from God's Word today that says, Do not be afraid. How is that possible, Pastor? How is it possible for me with this situation I'm, fa I'm facing that I'm not afraid? You know how it's possible? Because He knows you by name. Just like He said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Mary. Joseph, do not be afraid. He sees you. He knows you. He he sees right where you're at. And he says, do not be afraid. Trust me because I'm, I'm Savior. I'm Messiah. I'm Lord. I got this. Are you living your life in fear or in faith? Then the other question we ask when it comes to the sound of celebration. Are you living your life as a... I'm sorry. Here we go. It's going to be sandpaper here for the next minute. Critical complainer or a worshiping witness. I would characterize those shepherds as worshiping witnesses. That's a word, witnesses. They lived a worshiping witness. They left worshiping and praising God for what they had seen and heard. And they told everybody about it wherever they went. You know, we shouldn't be because we live in the most blessed nation on the planet. But boy, it sure is easy for us to ease into an attitude of critical complaining. The altars are open. Right? Right? And it's just flesh. It's just the way we're built. It's just in our part of that DNA that, that, we're, that uh, the enemy tries to get us to look at things and, and be critical. But listen, I think we can learn a lesson today from the shepherds. 
that instead of being critical and complaining about things that we don't have any control over, my, 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 how much do we have to be thankful for, church? It just occurs to me, you know, there's a lot of people. This is not do you see what I see, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's a lot of people who see our lives and maybe what they see and what they hear coming out of our mouths is more complaining than a positive witness. And they know we're Christians. They know we go to church. They know something's different about our lives. Let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to check us today and say, wow, maybe there's some things that we still need to work on. And I'm, I'm pointing at you and there's three pointing back at me that we need to, we need to check, our, check our hearts. Are you living your life as a critical complainer or worshiping witness? And here's the last one. The sound of surrender. Are you living life for yourself or for your Savior? Pastor, I'm in church on Sunday morning on a rainy, muggy, ugly Sunday morning. Of course I'm living my life for my Savior. Not necessarily. If you're just coming to church to check the box, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian no more than Walking into Chick-fil-A makes you a chicken sandwich. Some of y'all get that later, maybe. The difference is in that last descriptive word that the angel spoke to the shepherds. He will be Savior. He will be Messiah. He'll be Lord. He comes to be Lord of our lives. So are you living your life for yourself or for your Savior? We have a lot of folks in the South who are what I call cultural Christians. This is what you do in the South. There's a big difference between a cultural Christian and somebody who's following Jesus every day. Who's made Jesus the Lord of their lives and says, wherever you go, I'll go. How are you living your life today? I hear the sound of security. I hear the sound of celebration. I hear the sound of surrender. As we bow our heads all over the room today, Father, I thank you today for your presence that's been here. I thank you for the worship that we've enjoyed. I thank you for your word that speaks clearly to our hearts. And I pray at this moment, Holy Spirit, people's lives and their eternity hangs in the balance. And Lord, right now, you want to minister and speak to people who are living their life out of relationship with you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw their hearts to you right now. Make them aware of their need for you. If they're only living halfway and still trying to sit on the throne of their lives, God, bring conviction to their hearts today and draw them to give 100% everything over to you today. We pray in Jesus' name. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask the question today. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not all in. I am not living that life of surrender. I find myself kind of trading off with the Lord often. Like, I want to be on the throne, then I'll put him on. And, and I want to be in the lead, and then I'll get him out front. But I, I, need, to, I need to go all in. There's unconfessed sin in my life. I, I need to, to recommit my life again or commit my life to Christ for the first time. 
Would you pray with me today that I'll make Jesus the Lord of my life? Would you raise your hand and put it right back down? Go. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, multiple hands. I lost count. At least ten hands just went up all over this room of people who are saying, I need to put Jesus first in my life. I'm trying to be in control. I know some of those hands are folks who you've already made a first-time commitment to Christ, but you're battling that self. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today and just encouraging you one more time to surrender everything over to Him. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, the Scripture tells us if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us for all unrighteousness. Paul says if we declare that Jesus is Lord and we believe that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. So today, if you need to make that commitment, I want to encourage you today to pray this prayer with us. I want to ask everybody to pray out loud so nobody's praying alone. And even if you didn't raise your hand today and you're saying, Pastor, I need to recommit my life to Christ. I need to confess my sins. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to encourage you to pray with us today. Everybody praying together. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he took my sins to the cross. I believe he died in my place. I believe you raised him to life. I'd like to trust him now as my Savior. I want to follow him as Lord. From this day forward, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you stand, can we give God praise today? Can we give God praise today? Now I want to talk to the rest of us who find ourselves in a place where we needed to hear. You guys ready? Come on out, y'all. Y'all don't have to hide back there. Come out of the closet, my goodness. Come out of the closet for Jesus. There's some of you today, what you needed to hear, what you needed to hear was do not be afraid. That God hears you. God sees you rather he calls you by name and whatever it is that you're facing today he's going to walk you through it he's going to be faithful to you today and I want us to close today with this song that declares fear is not my future sickness is not my story heartbreak is not my home death is not the end can we declare this over our lives today church before we go
Hello. 
God, we thank you today for sending your Son. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence that confirms and reveals.